Jesus, before he left this world, before he went to be with the Father, before he died on the cross and rose again from the dead, Jesus instructed the church to continue the tradition of the Passover feast. It's kind of interesting because his very life and death and resurrection brought to completion so much, all of the law, it brought to completion the idea of sacrifice for sin, animal sacrifice to cover sin. It brought to completion the idea of having to go through a priest to get to God. But Jesus wanted the church to remember a few things. And so he established what we today call ordinances, two ordinances in the church. The one is baptism. We're going to be celebrating that as a church on July 1st, Monday night, 630. I hope that you can be there. And I pray and hope that if you're a part of Hilton Head Island Community Church, or even if you're not and you've put your faith in Jesus, that you would follow in believer's baptism. That's our practice here is believer's baptism. But there's this other ordinance of the church that he instructs us to be about and to be about on a regular basis. And it's this practice of communion, of the Lord's table or the Lord's supper. Some of you may have grown up in a tradition where it's called the Eucharist or the Holy Eucharist, a, a gratitude or thanksgiving. That's what the word Eucharist literally means. And so he instructed us as a church to follow in this meal where we remember God's deliverance. And I want to read this morning from 1 Corinthians chapter 11. This is the passage, this is the letter that Paul wrote to the church then, and it's written to us now, where he describes exactly what we're supposed to do. And it's really the intent of our heart that he's describing here. So read 1 Corinthians. I'll be reading out loud. You can follow along silently. The words will be on the screen. From 1 Corinthians chapter 11, verses 23 34, Paul says this, For I received from the Lord what I also delivered to you, that the Lord Jesus, on the night when he was betrayed, he took the bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it, and he said, This is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, he also took the cup after supper, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink of it in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread and drink the cup, you, he says, proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. Whoever therefore eats in an unworthy manner or ever drinks in an, um, without discerning the body, eats and drinks judgment on himself, excuse me, in an unworthy manner, is guilty, be guilty concerning the body and blood of Jesus. And then he says this, in verse 28, let a person examine himself then. And so eat of the bread and drink of the cup. He says, for anyone who eats and drinks without discerning the body, eats and drinks judgment on, on himself. This is why many of you are weak and ill and some of you have died. But if we judge ourselves truly, we would not be judged. But when we are judged by the Lord, we are disciplined so that we may not be condemned along with the world. So then, my brothers, when you come, I love this part. He says, when you come together, wait for one another. If anyone's hungry, <clears throat> let him eat at home so that when you come together, it will not be for judgment. About the other things, I will give, you, give directions when I come. Today, we partake of this communion table. 
And we often have the idea that it's a tradition of the church that's been established since the beginning of the church, that it's a tradition, a dinner, a, a, a commemoration, a remembering that's been in existence for 2,000 or so years. But the reality is, is that the church's version of this, our version of this, the new covenant version of communion, is really something that was passed down for hundreds of years before that, in it's rooted deep in the Jewish tradition. It's the Passover meal. And they were celebrating and they were giving glory to Jehovah because of his deliverance. You see, the Jewish people had entered Egypt. Abraham, we all, most of you know the story of Abraham entering Egypt. Um, most scholars believe there were between 70 and 75 people who walked into Egypt following God and they walked in with freedom. And hundreds of years later, two million Jewish people was the result, but they were enslaved. They were there without a home. They were there without deliverance. They were there in the bondage of slavery. And God performed miracle after miracle after miracle to set them up for them to walk in freedom. And in freedom, they walked. But God knew something about his people. He knew something about them, and he knows something about us, and that is, is that we would so easily forget his deliverance. He knew that freedom leads to contentment, and contentment ultimately will lead to this just idea of being just kind of having a malaise about spiritual things and apathy about spiritual things. And so early on in the history of God's redemptive story, he establishes this meal. I'm glad he decided to do it around food. I don't know about you. But he established this meal that we would come around to remember so that we wouldn't forget. So that our freedom wouldn't breed contentment and then complacency in our lives. He knew that we would need a reminder of the freedom that he had provided him, provided for us. And so in this meal, every nuance, every a part of the meal, even down to the herbs that were used, were symbolic of parts of that freedom. Back in the Old Testament, it describes how um, you know, Jewish people were the only ones who could partake of this meal, that if you weren't Jewish, you couldn't partake. That's the beautiful thing about our, the church today is, is because of Christ's death, because of his resurrection, because he paid the price for our sins, you and I were grafted into his people in this new covenant. We get to join in with him. We get to join in with them, celebrating and remembering the deliverance. But for us, it's not a physical deliverance, is it? It's a spiritual deliverance. And we can't come to this table. We can't come to this Passover meal ignoring the idea of sin. It's for sin that Christ died in the first place. It was because of our sin that we were separated and alienated from God to begin with. And that's what we celebrate is the fact that there had to be a death. There had to be bloodshed. And he provided the way, the final way, the ultimate way. And that was his son's death and resurrection on the cross. And so today as we begin 
to prepare our hearts and our minds and our lives to come to the table. God does not expect us to come to this table perfect. In fact, we are perfect in him. It's because of what he did on the cross that makes us perfect. But we come to this table as sinners that have been set free. And my question to you today is, is are you walking in the freedom that we remember today? When Jesus uh, came into Jerusalem and he told his disciples to find this upper room, that that's where they would celebrate the annual Passover meal, Jerusalem was just filled with people. It was just filled with people. People would come from all over the surrounding areas. They would come into Jerusalem, and it was busy, and it was probably a little bit like New York City during Christmas. It was just an incredibly busy time. There were people that hadn't been there in a long time, and they were celebrating this Passover feast. And he tells them to go to this upper room, and as he does, he walks in. And how do we picture and how do we read from God's word that they ate? They reclined at the table. They laid down and reclined to eat the Passover meal. I, I don't know about you. I grew up, my mom was a stickler about manners at the dinner table. And like I would come home from school and get a snack and I'd lay down, me and my sister would lay down in, in the living room, probably in front of the TV in most cases, and we would eat our snack and mom would come in there and she'd be like, what are you guys doing laying down eating? You're not supposed to do that. And I, I responded the way that teenagers and young kids usually do. Sorry, it's true. I was like, I'm just eating a snack. What's it really matter? What's it really matter? And I've come to realize that may be the one thing my mom was wrong about. Because <laughs> here's why. When Jesus decided to recline at that table, at that Passover table, they were walking in the, the custom of the day that symbolized freedom. In reclining there, rather than standing or rather than sitting, they were walking in a tradition that was well known in the, in the time of that day. It was from the Babylonians. It was passed down from the Babylonians because lying down, reclining at the table was symbolic of freedom. You see, slaves stood ready at a moment's notice to help their masters. And they stood in slavery. But they reclined. The masters did in freedom. You know, Christ follower, I, I fall into this trap. We fall into this trap all the time of forgetting what Christ did on the cross. And so we live our lives standing with a yoke of slavery around our wrists and over our necks and on our backs. And I want you to realize today as we come to this table that Christ, his death and his resurrection, it was all done so that you could be free from the bonds of slavery and the yoke of sin. And so my question to you today as you come to this table is are you walking in the freedom that Jesus paid the price for or are you standing in the yoke of slavery? Are you standing stiff-necked in the yoke of slavery, living under some kind of sin that you can easily give to him because he's already paid the debt, as we sang about for that sin? Today, I'm going to actually ask our worship team to come on back up here, and I'm going to ask our, our ushers to come down to the table, and they're going to wait until we worship to pass the plate. But today, we're going to be taking, as a family, the elements of communion. And in the tradition that Jesus established that was passed down 
from generation to generation of remembering God's deliverance. Bread was involved in wine, or today it's juice that's involved. And as you receive that bread today, as you hold it in your hand, that small wafer that's much, much different than the unleavened bread that they had back then, as you hold that, I want you to contemplate whether or not you're walking in freedom, whether you're leaning in, reclining into the freedom that God provided through his son and the body that was torn, was beaten for our sin. You know, the, the Jewish people left Egypt in, in the middle of the night to follow God and his miracle of parting the Red Sea, and they walked into their freedom. And the bread symbolizes that unleavened, that unleavened bread um, that they had to take with them to be able to survive on, to be able to eat with in that day. And the leaven represents sin. And so as you sit there, not being judged by anyone around you, Embracing the grace and the freedom that God has provided through his son. I want you to ask yourself the question, are you walking in freedom? Or is there something that's hindering your spiritual life? Is there something that's standing in the way? And think about the fact that his body was given for you and for your freedom. We're going to worship right now. We're going to sing and our ushers are going to be distributing the bread and I want you to take that and hold that and just allow God's Holy Spirit to examine your life as we prepare to take. And in a few minutes, I'll come back up here and we'll receive the element of that bread together as a church family.